Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. This is the next to last day of the 2013 Utah Legislature. We're going to ask you which issues you're focused on. Is it liquor laws, guns, Medicaid expansion, the budget, social services, states' rights, education, or their other issues? For one example, House Bill 391 passed out of the House, now perhaps goes to the Senate. We have two groups up in arms sending out alerts. That's uh, the Utah Health Policy Project and Utah League of Women Voters. They're urging their supporters to help this bill die a quick death. This would uh, uh, prohibit Utah from expanding Medicaid as a part of the uh, Affordable Care Act. That's just one example. We want you to weigh in. What's uh, weighing on your mind on this next to last day of the Utah legislature? Is there a bill that you hope passes? Maybe there's a bill you hope dies in the home stretch. And uh, along with you, we're going to uh, provide uh, quick opportunities for uh, representatives of several advocacy organizations to uh, air their concerns. We'll be talking with Royce Van Tassel with the Utah Taxpayers Association, Glenn Bailey with the Crossroads Urban Center, Randy Balkin with the Quality Utah, and Egrin Griffey with the Utah Moms for Clean Air. Coming up in about five minutes, we'll begin the conversation and uh, take a look at where Utah fits in on the broad uh, themes that are happening in the legislatures nationwide. We'll be talking with Bill Pound, Executive Director director of the National Conference of State Legislatures. First of all, a couple of emails responding to yesterday's program. Uh, this first one has to do with uh, uh, how we produce the program, and uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I'll just read the email and then uh, then maybe have you respond. This is what our, our listener said. I was stunned today when I listened to Access Utah. It is unethical to have a producer or any member of the radio staff on the air to take a side in an important issue like gun control. The station and the show lost all its credibility as an unbiased, thought-provoking news program. It used to be a fair and reliable show, but has fallen. I will no longer listen to it and have actually heard a few other comments like mine about the show today. I will recommend to others to avoid the program as it is unethically produced. That's our uh, listener. Um, he or she was responding uh, to our having our uh, student producer, uh, Danny Hayes, on the program yesterday. Uh, I should mention the structure of the program. I'm executive producer and host, so all of the uh, final decisions are mine. But I am wonderfully assisted by our uh, student interns, students here at USU, um, Addison Pace, Danny Hayes, and uh, Lindsay Snyder. Uh, They do uh, great work, sort of balance out uh, my interests. That's what I always worry about is I don't want the show to be driven by my obsessions or or interests. And they do that wonderfully along with uh, their great work. They do take great pride in their work. But uh, the uh, specific question which I throw out to you is... Um, should we have any member of the staff uh, on? Um, the the point that we were trying to make was that Danny uh, had in her personal life a uh, situation. She was a, a prospective gun owner, thinking about whether or not to purchase a gun, and having some concerns about that, which fit yesterday's topic perfectly, and that's why we had her on. But we'll throw that uh, we'll throw that out to you and uh, see what you think, whether or not uh, you think that is unethical or uh, okay. Uh, We move on to guns, and uh, of course that was the topic, responsible gun ownership, and I hope you found the uh, program yesterday useful. Uh, By the way, just uh, on that last point, uh, this is why whenever I meet you 
I'll probably ask you, what would you like to hear on Access Utah? I'm always trying to get uh, listener feedback. I'd love your feedback on this particular question. Here, you you uh, recall that I uh, told the story from a friend of mine who had a visitor uh, to her home, and uh, they had a gun. It made some people there uncomfortable, and uh, she just clarifies. The visitor in my home was invited in by one of my guests. He had his gun in a holster, took it out, and placed it on my table. I had no idea he had a gun in my home until he brought the gun out. When asked why he had a gun in my house, he just kept stating he had a concealed weapon permit. And that goes to, uh, perhaps you have a comment on uh, on etiquette and how best to present your Second Amendment rights. Uh, I think many would agree you, you have every right to express your Second Amendment rights. Is this the way to go about it? And uh, then here, uh, kind of a longish email, but I think it raises some good points. I'll just read this it's in its entirety. This is from our listener, Rich. Thank you for putting the Gun Ownership Responsibility Program together. These are my issues. We'll see if you agree with Rich's issues. I have owned guns, and I know how to use them, but I do not feel that there is a need for everyone to carry a weapon in our society. I believe there's an attitude that if you carry a concealed weapon permit, this allows you to walk into any establishment, any residence, whether private or public, with your loaded weapon because you believe you have the right. As a non-gun-carrying person, I feel that my rights are being violated because the state has granted others a permit to carry concealed weapons while in my presence. Rich goes on. Furthermore, as stated by the Cache County Sheriff, since all law officers assume that everyone is carrying a weapon, I will be viewed and treated no different than a gun-carrying person whenever I come in contact with law enforcement, even though I'm a pacifist and a non-handgun owner. Law enforcement is training to treat me as though I am concealing a weapon. There's an attitude in Utah that with a concealed weapon permit, you have the right to carry a loaded gun anywhere. We have read examples of people carrying concealed weapons to church. I'm assuming that they carry while they take the sacrament to give a talk at the pulpit or teach Sunday school. We have seen examples of people carrying concealed weapons with visits and attendance to uh, temples, LDS temples you're referring to, college campuses, riding and driving elementary school buses, attending PTA meetings, libraries, youth sporting events such as high school football games, soccer matches, and basketball games. Are the people in Utah that insecure that they feel that they must carry a concealed weapon? Or is it possible that there is so much peer pressure among the culture here that if you do not carry, then there must be something wrong with you? It's almost like having uh, training wheels on a bi- tricycle. If you do not need to carry a gun to protect yourself, uh, you do not need to pr- carry a gun to protect yourself and your family. Only a small uh, number of people uh, and insecure people feel that th- this is necessary and are using the Second Amendment to feed their addiction. Standing tall is a mental attitude. Don't let the marketing efforts of gun and ammo manufacturers or peer pressure of your fellow neighbors or congregation of the fear factor promote to you, promoted by the news push you to gun ownership and carrying. Let's begin designing a society that's free from violence by educating our children that there are other choices. That is our listener, Rich. Thanks for that, Rich. Kind of long, uh, but uh, thought he raised some interesting points. We'll throw that out to you, see if you agree or disagree with him. The place to go is our website or our email address, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Or you can call 1-800-826-1495, UPR, uh, 1-800-826-1495. We're giving you a chance to respond to the legislature. You could respond to uh, either of the two points that I raised at the beginning of the program here. By the way, we have tickets for your uh, participation in the program. 
Celtic Night, uh, an annual event, great concert each year down at uh, the Ellen Echoes Theater in downtown Logan. We have two pairs of tickets to uh, the Friday night performance and a pair of tickets to Saturday night performance. The number is 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. And now, and we uh, thank him for being patient, we bring in Bill Pound, Executive Director of the National Conference of State Legislatures. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Happy to do so. Uh, so uh, we're winding down our state legislature. Um, I understand our legislative uh, session, uh, the 45-day session, is uh, among the shorter of, of the sessions uh, nationwide. We kind of want to check in and get a comparison of, of some of the issues that are happening nationwide. Uh, so I wonder about that. I, I think we have some legislatures, state legislatures, that are year-round. Well, there are a number of legislatures that meet year-round, about 10 of them, and uh, uh, generally the most populous states. Mm-hmm. And the the forty five day session, would, I guess, would be among the the shorter. That is correct. It would be when Utah adjourns, or by the end of this week, there will be five of the state legislatures that have adjourned, and they all tend to be uh, um, mountain or uh, midwestern states, with the exception of Virginia, which mm-hmm. has a short session this year. Every once in a while in Utah, there is talk, and I, I don't think it's ever gotten past talk stage, of expanding the legislature, and and then there, there are jokes about why would we want our legislative session to be in, in session for a long period of time. I wonder about uh, various states, people's attitudes toward their legislature. I, th- I think people respect the good work that legislatures do, but uh, a lot of times there's complaints. No, that's very true. I, I... I think your uh, assessment of it is correct. People, uh, we would hope people respect it, but there is a general feeling, I think, that uh, sometimes that legislatures are uh, in session a long period of time. One thing I would say in relation to Utah on that is the Utah legislature, while it runs only the the 45 day. Uh, regular session. They use their time well during the rest of the year, you know, where they have uh, committee days and and the committee work goes on during uh, the year. Uh, I think they use it very effectively. I wonder about broad themes that are emerging so far this year at state legislatures. Uh, are, Are there any themes you could say that a lot of legislatures are working on? Well, you touched on a couple of them in your opening remarks and in your discussion of the emails. Uh, certainly health care, uh, and in particular the, inf- the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, uh, are on the agenda uh, almost everywhere. You know, the states are uh, divided roughly from those that decided to create their own exchanges, as Utah pioneered, actually, uh, and to those that have uh, are going to now uh, step into it. Uh, to those who have opted to use the federal exchange rather than create a state one. And there are several that are trying to do some kind of a hybrid. But the impact of that, uh, beyond the exchange, we're clearly changing the health care system. When you figure the national government and the state governments provide about 50, pay for about half the health care in the country, uh, that the effect of the Affordable Care Act uh, is widespread on that, uh, many facets of it. The second issue that you talked about there that is on the agenda nearly everywhere uh, relates to firearms, of course, uh, triggered, I think, by the uh, events of last summer and in December in Colorado and Connecticut. 
And uh, speaking of firearms, uh, this is continuing a, a running theme at the Utah legislature. I wonder if it's uh, anywhere in the other legislature, which is asserting states' rights. In fact, there is a bill that has passed the House and has gone now to the Senate. We'll see if it passes, which uh, would assert that uh, Utah officers have uh, primacy and that they could even ignore federal law on guns. So this follows last year, where our state legislature uh, passed a bill which uh, which said that after a certain date, they wanted federal lands back. Uh, I wonder, if is this centered in western states? Do you see this anywhere else? It tends to be centered in the western states. It, it is evident uh, elsewhere, but I would say its strength is probably greatest there. I think similar bills to that have been introduced uh, uh, in, in nearly, I, I would say, introduced in nearly all of the western states. Uh, there hasn't been anything up to now passed on that. But again, the bulk of the legislatures will be in session for a while. Hmm. Uh, Immigration. It's been pretty quiet at the Utah legislature this session. The only thing they did was uh, postpone implementation date of a guest worker provision, which I think they passed a couple of years ago, but but delayed the date. Now they've delayed it uh, further. The thinking is that there's signs of life maybe at the the federal level that uh, maybe they'll defer it to the federal level. Is immigration uh, or immigration bills... uh, uh, happening in uh, the other legislators? There are some, yes. Immigration is a is certainly a topic. It has been in recent years. There are every year a lot of bills introduced on it, and in recent years a substantial number of those have passed. I would say again that the Utah legislature has been in the forefront of action on this, and in fact things that have been were, were originally done in Utah have been emulated, maybe not exactly, but but certainly following the lead in other in other states. I think what you describe as happening there, though, is fairly accurate description of, of the the mood in legislatures in the country. Uh, let's see what's going to happen at the federal level, if anything, this year uh, before we move on. The, the the exception to that may be the uh, what's often called the Dream Act. Uh, you know, which would be uh, uh, tuition at uh, uh, at state universities. Uh, you know, uh, giving uh, Im- uh, illegal immigrants, uh, making them eligible for in-state tuition if they've been in the state for a period of time, regardless of their uh, immigration status. Uh, that seems to be at least in the first month or two uh, the primary a- area of action right now. And uh, finally, uh, I want to loop back to uh, how I began this conversation. That's perception of legislature. We know that Congress continues to go lower than we thought it could go in terms of uh, public esteem. I don't know where legislatures fit in in terms of esteem of the public. Well, legislatures usually fit in. They're certainly their their esteem is higher than that of the Congress. As you say, it's hard to go much lower uh, these days. Uh, but the uh, if you look at a state and you say, how is the governor related, the legislature's evaluation will be usually – will correlate very strongly with that. Uh, and I, I would say it varies across the country, uh, but by and large, uh, the legislatures, I think, in the states that do have more limited sessions, uh, maybe uh, because they, they act with more rapidity than some of the others do, uh, generally rate somewhere – around, uh, oh, say, the 50% level, something like that, 
they, they may, may even be some that are higher. Utah has a unique, I think, and very strong civic culture. So the legislature there is, I think, usually rated uh, fairly highly. And uh, Congress would certainly take that, wouldn't they? <laughs> I think they would, yes. Yeah. Well, very interesting to kind of check in, see where Utah compares nationwide. We've been talking with Bill Pound, Executive Director of the National Conference of State Legislatures. Thank you so much. Sure. Happy to do it. Anytime. We are uh, throwing questions out to you on this second-to-last day of the 2013 Utah Legislature. Of course, a lot happens on the last couple of days, and uh, there are some bills that have already passed. In fact, some bills have already been signed by the governor, but uh, a lot still up in the air, and we're asking you what issues you're focused on. What are you concerned about? It's liquor laws, uh, guns, Medicaid expansion, the budget, social services, states' rights, education, um, or uh, anything else. We're throwing that uh, out to you and uh, giving you a brief opportunity to, uh, to make your pitch for your issue. And we're uh, bringing in uh, several uh, people from organizations. We bring in next Royce Van Tassel, Vice President of Utah Taxpayers Association. Mr. Van Tassel, welcome back to Access Utah. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having us. So Utah Taxpayers Association, looking on your website, your uh, subtitle, Your Tax Watchdog, that's, I assume, what you're looking at. You're looking at budget issues, spending issues at the, at the Capitol. We're spending a lot of time uh, keeping close track of uh, the various tax bills that are going through uh, the legislature. There's been a lot of uh, work on education reform this year. Um, also a lot of talk about uh, occupational licensing and making sure that people um, uh, are able to get a job without unduly burdensome uh, occupational regulation. And uh, I wonder if the uh, Utah Taxpayer Association has a position on uh, House Bill the 391, the prohibition on Medicaid expansion. This, uh, according to Representative Anderegg, uh, he's doing this to save the state a lot of money. Opponents say, no, that would save the state uh, some money. So I wonder if Utah Taxpayer Association has an opinion. You know, we haven't uh, weighed in on that debate. It is an important one um, on the long-term health of the state budget. Uh, but with um, relatively limited uh, resources, we end up having to, to focus our efforts um, and, and leaving some important issues out. That's one that, uh, that we haven't taken a position on. Now generally, uh, Utah is viewed as, as being fiscally responsible. Uh, are, there, are, are there any budget items that your organization is particularly concerned about and, and hoping to, to shape as the legislature comes to a close here? You know, I think the big uh, one of the big concerns that we have had uh, for many years are the ongoing subsidies that the state uh, provides uh, to the state's golf courses. Uh, they total uh, three or four million dollars a year, um, and it's just not clear to us why taxpayers at the city, the county, or the state level should be uh, paying for rounds of golf. Um, the private sector is more than happy to provide those. And uh, certainly there are higher priorities, whether it is caring uh, for the poor, um, providing health care for those who can't afford it, or making sure that our kids' education is the best possible. Those have to be much higher priorities than uh, uh, making sure golf is cheap. Uh, for for uh, the deafers out there. So that, that uh, proposal is back. I remember talking to you about this last year. You know, it's something that uh, uh, we'll continue to work with. Um, unfortunately, it looks like it will continue for at least a, another year, uh, and we hope to, uh, to, to um, bring some uh, consensus and, frankly, an end to that uh, uh, after the next legislative session. 
Finally, uh, the federal budget sequester, which has gone into effect, um, I don't know what the effect will be on Utah. Are we still trying to figure that out? You know, I think there, there's a lot of uh, question out there. Um, when the uh, revenue estimates that the state puts out uh, every few months came out in February, they said uh, that there would be a decrease in uh, projected revenue to the state of about $40 million dollars. Um, they had expected there to be um, a, a higher uh, increase than what uh, they were projecting. Um, but as I look around uh, at the mall, I was uh, driving uh, on I-15 on Saturday, and uh, the exit there to uh, 106 South at the Southtown Center um, the, uh, was stacked up, which tells me that people are out uh, shopping. I was over at the um, Fashion Place Mall, and it was packed. Uh, I think that uh, what we're seeing is uh, the impact of the sequester isn't nearly as, as devastating as some people uh, thought it would be, that uh, there's room to cut uh, federal spending. And um, certainly in the short term, we're not seeing any uh, untoward uh, problems. We'll leave it there with uh, Royce Van Tassel, Vice President of Utah Taxpayers Association. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. We're checking in with uh, representatives from several groups who uh, have bills that they're they're checking at this uh, next to last day of the 2013 legislature. Perhaps you have some concerns. Uh, do you share concerns from a couple of groups um, that we have talked to before, of course, on this program? Uh, house Bill 391 is what we're talking about, Representative Anderegg's uh, bill. It passed the uh, House. This would prohibit the state of Utah from expanding Medicaid. That's a decision that the governor uh, says he's waiting on a study to decide. Um, and uh, the Utah Health Policy Project and uh, Utah League of Women Voters have put out both put out action alerts to their uh, members, um, having them p- petition the Senate. Uh, they want this bill dead. They want the uh, Medicaid to expand. They say this will save the uh, state money. Uh, and on the other side, uh, Representative Vanderek and others are saying that, no, this would cost the state a lot of money. Uh, perhaps there's a bill like that that you're focused on. We would love to talk to you. We're going to take a brief break, and then we'll be back with uh, Glenn Bailey from Crossroads Urban Center. Uh, we do have a couple pairs of tickets. If you like Celtic music, a wonderful concert happens each year in Logan, downtown at the Ellen Echols Theater, Celtic Night. There's two nights, so we have a pair of tickets to the Friday night show and a pair of tickets to the Saturday night show. You need to call in for these, and then we'll leave these uh, for you at our front desk. Uh, Celtic Night, Friday night, pair of tickets, Saturday night, pair of tickets. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Back after the break. UPR's gardening show finally has a new name thanks to our listeners. This Thursday on The Zesty Garden, we'll explore early spring planting issues. How do you know when it's time to plant? And how can you speed up the warming of the soil so you can get that first crop of peas even earlier? Dan Drost, USU Extension Vegetable Specialist, is my guest for the hour. Join us Thursday morning at 10 o'clock for The Zesty Garden, UPR's original show for garden and outdoor conversation. Support for Access Utah comes from the Utah Humanities Council, enriching cultural, intellectual, and civic life by providing opportunities for all Utahns to explore life's most engaging questions and the wonders of the human experience. 
We're taking a look at what's happening at the Utah legislature. Particularly, we're asking you what is of concern to you. Perhaps there's a bill you hope passes. You'd like to get that word out to fellow listeners. We'll give you that chance. Maybe there's a bill you hope dies in the home stretch. You can express that. To which issues are you focused on? Is it uh, states' rights, social services, the budget, education, Medicaid expansion? That's been a hot topic. Guns, we talked about the yesterday. And uh, liquor laws, some of the issues, and we're going to be talking, uh, giving brief opportunity to several representatives uh, from advocacy organizations. We'll be talking with Brandy Balkan with Equality Utah and uh, Ingrid DeGriffey with Utah Moms for Clean Air. Along with you, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at uh, gmail.com. And uh, we just gave away uh, a pair of tickets to the Friday uh, night concert for Celtic Night. It's always a popular event. And uh, that was Cindy who called in. And I've just received an email right here from uh, Karen who says she'd like the, uh, uh, the I guess it'd have to be Saturday night, Karen. So there you go. You get the uh, tickets to Saturday night. So the tickets are gone. We'd love to hear from you uh, with your comments on the legislature. And we turn next to uh, Glenn Bailey, Executive Director of the Crossroads Urban Center. Mr. Bailey, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. So as the legislature winds down, uh, what is your organization most focused on? Well, like many uh, low-income advocacy organizations, we're really concerned about Medicaid expansion. And that was the case going into the session and remains the case at this late hour. I heard you talking about um, HB 391. Um, That is a bill that's passed the House that would prohibit the Department of Health and the governor from expanding Medicaid in Utah, which is uh, possible under the terms of the Affordable Care Act, but every state has to make their own determination. Um, And that's pending now in the Senate. Now, there's some indication that the Senate will not act on that bill, but it's also possible that they will. So we're really concerned that the legislature just doesn't uh, prohibit um, the state government from looking at this issue further, particularly when there's a $100,000 study pending that nobody's seen yet. And the governor says he is going to wait for the results of that cost analysis before he makes a decision. That's, I guess you would hope that he would continue to do that. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there are several options for expanding Medicaid or using those funds. Other states have made different choices rather than just expanding traditional Medicaid. Arkansas and Wisconsin both have gotten waivers that allow them to use those funds uh, more to provide private health coverage for people who would 130-some thousand people who would be um, granted health coverage under a Medicaid expansion would have access to some private products instead. Utah could do that. We could expand Medicaid. Um, The legislative fiscal analyst says that if we do expand Medicaid, we save $6 million next year and $16 million the following year in local health care costs that would now be covered by Medicaid. There's a lot of good reasons to do it. There's a lot of ways that it could be done, um, and it just is inappropriate for a hijacked bill, which is what 391 was, a bill that was substituted very late in the process with very little discussion. It's just silly for that to be um, the law of the land here when we have so many other options to help so many people who are suffering right now. So House Bill 391, the sponsor, Representative Jake Anderegg, Republican of Lehigh, he says he's trying to save Utah money. He says that it would cost the state $248 million if we expanded Medicaid. You, you cited uh, 
you know, uh, analysis that uh, says that it would save save them the the state if we expanded Medicaid six million dollars. I assume you disagree with Representative Andrig's oh, analysis. Completely, the number that he was quoting um, there is actually the amount of federal money that it would cost to expand Medicaid in the first year. The mm-hmm. way that the deal is structured is that expanding Medicaid. Um, for the first three years is 100% at the cost of the federal government. And the, when the fiscal analysis is done, it shows uh, where health care costs are saved in other sectors of the government by allowing Medicaid expansion to happen on the federal federal dime, which is, after all, our money in the first place. Um, the other thing, the major study that we're waiting for should show is the economic impact of all that new money coming into Utah. Um, it gets spent, people get paid, then people spend that money and the economy grows. So I think that has to be looked at as well. So your concern, I assume, is, and I'm reading this from the League of Women Voters, uh, estimate of 131,000 Utahns who are uninsured and would be eligible for coverage under an expansion of Medicaid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we run an emergency food pantry, among other services, and if Medicaid is allowed to expand... For the first time ever, virtually all of our clients will have access to health care, which doesn't mean going to an emergency room when the wheels come off, but actually have access to health care, um, mental health uh, care, all kinds of things that currently are just not possible. So this uh, Medicaid expansion, this question is the top on your list. Is there is there anything else that you're that you're looking at yeah. at the legislature? We had a couple other priority bills this session. Um, One is uh, HB 274 by Representative Brian King. That would provide a tax credit for businesses that hire homeless people under certain circumstances for certain lengths of time. And that got all the way through the House and is uh, pending in the Senate. Our guess is that it probably will not come up for a vote and will not be adopted. This is the second year that Representative King has run that bill, though. So we're hopeful that this will set... um, kind of set the table for next year when we can take another look at that, trying to come up with ways to give businesses incentives to employ the most vulnerable people in our society. So that was a priority for us. The other thing was simply to see that the food tax didn't increase, and it doesn't look like it will. Um, There was a proposal and even a bill drafted to do that um, by Senator Valentine, but it looks like uh, for one more year we're going to dodge that bullet. So we're definitely into letting people spend money in grocery stores um, rather than coming to food pantries, and not taxing food is a good way to stretch those grocery dollars. Finally, um, maybe somebody's interested in the issues that you're putting forward or other issues. Uh, you you work uh, trying to influence the, uh, the legislature. What's the best way for a, a citizen to to apply a little pressure on, on their issue? Well, um, emails work great, and you can find emails from most legislators, all legislators, on the legislative website. Uh, phone calls are good if you can actually go to the legislature and find your representative. And while the House is in session, you can pass in notes, and they'll come out and talk to you. When the Senate's in session, there is a time when you can also talk to your senators. That's probably the best possible way. So the more personal contact you can have, the better. But um, in generally speaking, you know, whatever you're able to do in terms of letting your voice be heard is, is the way to go. Glenn Bailey is the executive director of the Crossroads Urban Center. Uh, thank you so much. Sure, you bet. 
And by the way, the uh, Utah Legislature has uh, an award-winning website. It's it's won some awards. It's a very good website, le.utah.gov. And you can search for contact information on your legislator. You can track bills. It's a, it's a great website, le.utah.gov. On the next-to-last day of the Utah Legislature, we're uh, talking, uh, throwing it out to you. What are the uh, bills? What are the issues you're concerned about? Perhaps there's a bill that you're focused on you hope uh, uh, gets passed. Maybe there's a bill you hope dies. We talked about both of these earlier in the program. And upcoming, we're going to be talking with uh, Brandy Balkan, Executive Director of Equality Utah, and Ingrid Griffey with Utah Moms for Clean Air. We're throwing it out to you. Uh, directly 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. It's Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We turn next to uh, caller, uh, Addie in Vernal. Uh, I'm glad you called. Thanks. Yes. Um, I'm concerned about the education that wants to penalize our communities that are growing and take that money and put it to education and uh, excuse me could you could you repeat you you dropped out at the very beginning i want to want to hear again which what what your uh, focus is senator uh, osmond's uh, education bill okay is my okay. concern all right uh, go, go ahead well i'm concerned that we live out in vernal where our community is growing and it's going to the point that we need all of our own tax dollars to help our schools uh, we have all of our grade schools are full and we're having to reorganize our high school and uh, it just irks me to think that they're going to, uh, they want to up our taxes and then take our money and send it to other communities. They've referenced things like Ogden that is, you know, not growing. And we need every penny to help our schools. So uh, it really, and they, they're touting it as good for education. Well, it's, it certainly wouldn't be good for our area. So I'm, I'm not as familiar as I should be with this bill. Under your understanding, it would, uh, it would uh, redistribute monies uh, from, from one district to the other? Right. And then if we wanted them in back, we would have to send the money back and we send millions of dollars out of our county that goes from oil and gas. And then we have to go to the impact board to get some of it back so that we can use it for our infrastructure. So it's already happening here. And now they want to do it in the education forum. Yeah. which we just think is bizarre because we fight for every penny we have just to keep building schools to try to accommodate the growth that we have here. I see. So so you you in a county in that area does have money coming in from oil, but you, you say you need it for growth there. Right. Um, and it's the taxing. What they want to tax is the new businesses that are growing. They already tax the oil and gas, and then, they, then we have to you know, go to the impact board to get some of that back. But what they want to do is tax all the grow, growing new businesses here. Uh, you're you're cutting out, but I think I think we've got the the gist of uh, what you're saying. Uh, so we uh, we appreciate uh, your comment. That's Ali Addy, rather. I'm sorry, in, yes. in Vernal. Thank you so much. Uh huh. Thank you. Bye. And Addie uh, um, called 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You could also email us at upraxcess at gmail.com. Addie's concerned about an education bill that uh, would take money. She sees it from her area and uh, reallocate it. She needs the money there. What issues are you concerned about? We uh, will give you a brief uh, time to 
to get those out to your fellow citizens. Maybe get some help in uh, lobbying the legislature on the next to last uh, day of the legislative session. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Brandy Balkan, Executive Director of Equality Utah. Later in the program, Ingrid Griffey with Utah Moms for Clean Air. What is the issue you're concerned about? The number is 1-800-826-1495. You could email us at upraxcess at gmail.com. Back after the break. Support for Utah Public Radio is provided by the Urban Indian Center of Salt Lake, serving American Indians in Utah with health, behavioral health, and youth programs, presenting two performances by Native American singer-songwriter Jay Bengay, March 22nd. Information is at uicsl.org. Later today on This American Life... What would be wrong with one channel that showed nothing but puppies acting the natural comedians and cuties that they are all day, every day? After 25 years as a businessman, one man starts from scratch to create a cable network with this theme song. Puppies, 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 puppies. The cutest, fuzziest radio story on Earth. Later today... Fridays at 3 and Sundays repeat at 5 p.m. This is the next to last day of the 2013 Utah Legislature. It ends at midnight tomorrow night. A lot happens in the last couple of days of the legislature. Which issues are you focused on? Liquor laws, guns, Medicaid expansion, the budget, social services, states' rights, education? Is there another issue that you're focused on? We'll give you uh, some airtime here to uh, perhaps influence your fellow uh, citizens and get some pressure as you see it in the right way on the legislature. Uh, is there a bill you hope passes? Maybe there's a bill that you hope dies in the home stretch. And our guests uh, coming up will include Ingrid Griffey with Utah Moms for Clean Air. Right now we bring in Brandy Balkan, Executive Director of Equality Utah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Tom. Uh, so what are you focused on? Well, currently, we actually, the bill that we were watching most closely actually will not be moving forward in the legislature, but we were very concerned about uh, human rights issues or civil rights issues before the Senate was a bill that would have prevented discrimination in the areas of employment and housing based on a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. And we'd worked very hard, actually. This, this is the sixth year that this bill has come before the Utah State Legislature. And while we were very thrilled to see it come out of committee, the first time that we'd ever seen that happen, unfortunately, the bill was not taken up by the full Senate. This is uh, Senate Bill 262? That's correct, yes. And Senator Urquhart? Yes, Senator Steve Urquhart from St. George was our chief sponsor. Who's a Republican. Uh, Yes, that's correct. Yes. Uh, Also uh, had some help from Senator DeBacchus in trying to run this bill. So progress came out of committee, but uh, still you didn't get what you wanted. Well, you know, the goal, when we work on legislation and we work with legislators, I'm sure they would say the same thing. The goal is not just to get the bill forward. The goal is to pass the bill. So, of course, we were hoping that we would have seen the bill come to the full Senate floor, be passed over to the House. But that was not its fate this year. And we will continue to do this work because we know that Utahns are experiencing discrimination in employment and in housing based on their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And we feel like, uh, and a majority of Utahns actually, the polling shows, feel like this is an important bill and that we should pass it. And Utah doesn't have a, currently a statewide law, right? But some cities, some major cities have passed such. You obviously want a statewide law. Yes. So I appreciate you bringing that forward. Uh, Utah is one of 29 states across this country that do not prevent discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. And in Utah, we are lucky that um, um, 
really good number of cities and counties have brought this forward. Indeed, Logan is one of those cities that has instilled their own ordinance. Um, the, the issue with the ordinance at a municipal level versus at a statewide level is that at a local level, a person actually doesn't have any real recourse. Um, they can file a complaint, and this, the local government will mitigate that, mediate that, investigate it, and assess a fine that goes to the employer or the landlord, which then goes back to the city. But the person actually who has experienced discrimination has no opportunity to be made whole. And, and if I may, the other thing that I think is important to note is that federally we have protections for categories like your race, which everyone has, or your gender, or your age, your level of ability. Um, and in Utah, we've also taken that a couple of steps further and included things like conditions related to pregnancy. So we're looking to um, include characteristics that all people have um, that we know people face discrimination on the basis of. So that's sort of the work that we've done this year and will continue to do next year. And uh, I would assume you have some some fairly broad support in the community. What What's the argument against this at the legislature? You know, I have to say it would almost be impossible for me to speak to the concerns of legislators. They're individuals just like we are as people. Um, I think that what we, what we frequently hear is that this would create special protections for a special group of people, which is why I think it's so important to note that every human being, both you and I, have a sexual orientation and we both have a gender identity. So not one kind of person is favored in these protections, much like other human rights protections. Um, I think the other thing, too, is that people are concerned that there, somehow this bill would impact relationship recognition or would impact anything that had to do with marriage equality. And as you probably know, we have a constitutional amendment here in the state of Utah that bans any sort of marriage equality or domestic partnerships or civil unions or any contractual agreement that is substantially equivalent to that of marriage. And to repeal that, to change that it, it would take two-thirds of the Senate, two-thirds of the House, and two-thirds of the voters of Utah to, to approve that repeal. So this bill actually has nothing to do with that. It, has, it only has to do with employment and housing protections. Mm. By the way, I'm reading in the Desert News here, uh, I think this is from yesterday, uh, a group called Mormons for Equality, a national lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender rights group with a presence in Utah, I'm quoting from the, the article, uh, was organizing a rally at the Capitol. That was going to happen Tuesday evening mm-hmm. in support of that law. I don't know if that happened, if you're aware of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it did. It definitely did. Okay. All right. So there, there is some, some support. Uh, um, and I guess it's, it's sort of a moot point to just uh, expressing their support now since it already has died. What, what do, I guess your hope is it'll pass committee and the full legislature, obviously, next year. Absolutely. And until we have the opportunity to bring this bill forward again, we'll continue to work with residents across the state and our local elected officials who feel like these protections are important. As you alluded to, Tom, we do have a broad base of support. I think that this bill actually reflects the deep, deeply held values of a majority of Utahns in equal opportunity, in fairness, in respectful treatment of all of our community members. And um, I'm, very, I'm very optimistic. I'm hopeful that we can continue this conversation in a respectful way and that we can move to a place where all Utahns have a fair opportunity to have a job and a roof over their heads. Brandy Balkan is Executive Director of Equality Utah. Thank you so much. Thanks for the time today, Tom. 
We are uh, checking in uh, what issues that you're focused on, and we'll give you some time uh, to express those opinions on the next to last day of the 2013 Utah legislature. Brandy Balkan was talking about Senate Bill 262, which made it further than it has. It got out of committee, but then uh, did die in the the, the Senate. Uh, They're hoping for passage next year, for one example. Uh, We are going to uh, bring in next Ingrid Griffey with Utah Moms for Clean Air. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. By the way, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. And you can reach us also at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. What issues are you focused on? We'll have uh, give you a brief moment to, to do that. Um, so, uh, Ingrid Griffey, uh, we have been talking a lot on this program, as have many other media outlets, about uh, clean air, our air pollution problem. Uh, what is Utah Moms for Clean Air focused on with regard to the legislature? Well, Tom, we've been watching several bills this legislative session. Um, first, a quick success story. Um, Representative Patrice Arendt um, has been moving forward a bill, House Bill 168. It um, it asks that state agencies and school districts would develop and report on any pollution mitigation efforts, so carpooling, telecommuting, um, um, car, um Um, alternative fuel vehicles and public transportation for their employees, and that's currently moving through. So we're excited about that. Um, Unfortunately, with each step forward, we have to keep keep watch on not taking two steps backward. So one bill that we are keeping a sharp eye on and hoping dies um, quickly, but is at the moment still very much alive, is House Bill 394 from Representative Noel. And his bill is seeking to prohibit the DEQ from banning outdoor wood boilers. Um, These are a particularly polluting way of it burns wood to heat your home. And um, this is the DEQ would like to ban them. It's on their list. Um, to help improve our air quality, and Representative Noel um, would prefer that they not be banned. Um, We don't feel that it's the legislator's job to be micromanaging state agencies in this way, to be nitpicking on different rules and codifying it into state laws to to ban something like that. Um, And also the DEQ at this point, especially as you were saying after this national, this nationally recognized health crisis that we've just experienced in January, this is really not the time to be weakening DEQ in any way. Really, all solutions need to be on the table to be examined. And the DEQ, you know, its mission is to look out for the natural resources of the state and the health of the people, and it needs all the authority it can have in order to fulfill its mission. So this is not the time to be um, tying their hands over at the DEQ. They need our full support to fulfill their mission. So uh, um, uh, just a bit, I'll interrupt you here, you know, give you a chance to go on uh, further. I'm wondering, we're focusing, of course, on this program on the legislature, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, someone's listening and, and wants to perhaps uh, contact uh, someone where they could have the most effect. Where is the pressure point? Who? What is the primary decision-making body? Is it the Air Quality Board? Is it the uh, your county commission? Is, is it the legislature, the, the governor? Where, where best to, to go to, to apply pressure if you are interested in this issue? Well, the DEQ um, makes the rules that, that everybody is supposed to follow in order to protect our airshed. However, the DEQ has to follow the law of the state. It has to follow the law of the land. And so in that case, the legislature can be either a big support or they can be a big obstacle. And um, in this case, with House Bill 394, they're really being kind of obstructive here and allowing the DEQ to do their job. But, you know, the, we would also – it would have been great at the beginning of the session to also see the governor, who was early 
earlier presented with 8,500 um, citizen signatures, it would have been great to have seen him ask the legislature for some specific um, bills, to decisive action to take on clean air. Um, unfortunately, one of the bills that doesn't look like it's going to be going anywhere right now necessarily, um, Re Rebecca, um, Representative Chavez Hook, um, was trying to get some air quality amendments through. There's currently a state law in Utah that says we are not allowed to have any um, clean air policies that are stricter than the Federal Clean Air Act. Um, and that's, that's really unfortunate. So even if the DEQ wants to implement some stricter policies because of our unique geography here, um, we're not able to. We can only just, we're pretty shackled to the EPA, um, which unfortunately, you know, that's, that's tying us to some federal mediocrity there. We could really, if we could break free from that, we'd be able to, um, the DEQ would really be able to um, make us leaders in, in keeping our airshed clean. Well, we're out of time. We'll leave it there with uh, Ingrid Griffey, Utah Moms for Clean Air. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. <clears throat> uh, just a couple of uh, brief reports before we end. Uh, we were talking for us about House Bill 76, <clears throat> excuse me, which would uh, loosen uh, restrictions on uh, concealed weapon permits. And that uh, apparently has passed the legislature. That goes now to the uh, governor, if I'm reading this uh, correctly. And another gun bill, House Bill 165, uh, which would... Uh, Amend a section of Utah code allowing child care providers who have lived in Utah for five years to bypass federal background check. Uh, that is uh, moving forward, at least at this point. Again, the, the place to go to uh, get information is le.utah.gov. That's the legislature's website. And uh, for uh, producers uh, Addison Hayes, uh, Danny Hayes, uh, Addison Pace, rather, excuse me, Danny Hayes, and Lindsay Snyder, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening today.